Welcome, everybody. It is episode 20 of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. I'm Andrew Dewhurst. As always, I'm joined by Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Not too bad. Not too bad, Andrew. How about yourself? Oh, can't complain. We are uh, well down the home stretch. Uh, I mean, the, the schedule is starting to wrap itself up. Uh, we've got some teams that look like they'll be, they've got about two weeks left in their schedule. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks are making sure that they are extending out things nearly a month. Uh, so they are going to be playing games right up to May 19th. So there's going to be some teams heading into the playoffs that are going to have a nice little break here. Uh, with We're going to be playing hockey for a while. <laughs> yeah. With the exception of, um, uh, it looks like essentially Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton who play on the 14th and 15th. Uh, most teams are going to be finished up by the 12th, I think. Uh, so there's going to be a solid seven, eight days. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the NHL plays this out, though, because uh, if Vancouver falls out of the playoff race, and that's a, that's a really big if right now, uh, I guess theoretically they could start the playoffs and just have Calgary and Vancouver play their games, uh, even knowing playoff games are happening, because it wouldn't make any substantial difference, but because uh, I, I think one thing we do have to keep in mind is that the NHL has a very tight deadline for these play, for these playoffs, right? Because as, uh, they will lose all of the U.S. games as soon as the Olympics start in July. So they have to finish if they want to have any amount of U.S. Uh, any U.S. coverage outside of just the uh, just the NHL live uh, application. So. Um, I, I think we're going to see some re, a lot of compression, and it, I think he, we could see them start earlier than uh, I suppose what would be May twentieth would be the first day when we would be complete with uh, when we'd be there wouldn't be any more regular season games. Um, but as we take a look, uh, we do have some teams that are starting to clinch. We Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota all clinched this week. Um, that's it though. They're all in the same division, which tells you something about, um, that division in itself as at this point in time, Vegas has literally double the amount of points of Anaheim. Uh, so good job on that one, Anaheim. And you happen to not even be, I don't think they're even the worst team in the league. No, Buffalo still has less points. So, uh, tied with New Jersey. So, uh, yeah, so we've got that going on. Uh, we still have a quite a race happening in the Central. Uh, Carolina is a point uh, ahead of Florida with two games in hand. They're two points ahead of Tampa with one game in hand. Uh, Tampa playing right now. I'm not sure if that game's finished up yet. Um, and in that division as well, you have Dallas now just two points behind Nashville with two games in hand. Uh, and Chicago is still hanging in there as well, five point back, five points back with a game in hand. So uh, definitely going to be an exciting, exciting couple of weeks coming down with with some real playoff races. Uh, the East is more or less decided, I think at least. I mean, the Rangers are still technically in it, uh, but it's just going to be seeding there. I mean, if you told me three months ago that the Penguins would be leading that division at this point in time i probably wouldn't have believed you 
I also wouldn't have believed you that they would be 23 and two at home, especially with Malkin missing what he's been at for at least a month now, right? If not more, I, I mean, I've lost track of time during COVID. So, I mean, it could be a, it could be a week. It could be 10 years at this point. It's yeah. Who knows? Uh, and then, and then in the North, uh, it look, it's Toronto's to lose at this point. They're going to be hard pressed to cough up the lead. They're, seven points up on on Winnipeg with it and uh eight points up on on Edmonton but uh has noted we do have Vancouver making a push here eight games back of your uh beloved Montreal Canadiens uh but five less games played so uh technically Vancouver if they won all those could be as high as 51 which would put them two points ahead so we'll see what happens there. And uh, Vancouver's getting, in some ways, done it. Uh, they're getting helped out by the schedule because those three games against Calgary, it, it's hard to imagine Calgary's Calgary's going to really be up to playing those games. Um, you know, final three games of the season, they're the only teams playing. They're going to, I assume, be out of a playoff spot, although that's, I mean, they're only four points back in Montreal as well. So uh, they could, I guess, still make a push, and those games could mean something to both of those teams. Uh, there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of hockey to be played left, right? So I, I guess I'll start with the obvious here, right? Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights, Colorado, and the Minnesota Wild for absolutely steamrolling for the West Division, right? Um, they're by far the three superior teams in that division. Um, the St. Louis Blues are not one of those teams. And as of right now, they sit on the outside looking in. They have three games in hand on the Arizona Coyotes. But, I mean, hey, who knows, right? Minnesota's 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. They've won seven in a row. Vegas is 9-1. and one. They've won nine in a row. Okay. Uh, nine, nine in a row. They're 1-0. Oh. Colorado, by the way, like they're 8-2. and two. That top West division is in a league of their own right now. They're just... They're just popping off here. And I don't, I mean, to me, it just seems like one of those three teams are headed to the Stanley Cup finals. It, I mean, kudos <laughs> to the Minnesota Wild. They've literally done everything possible to be like, they're a good team. This is a really good team. They, that they're, and it's, it's wild because, I mean, the number of times I have to write up Victor Rask in the playbook and I just want to rip right. my eyes out of my head. Was the it, pun intended there? That what? Where did I uh, miss the pun? <laughs> you said it's wild. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. No, I mean, no, but I mean, <laughs> it is it, it is very crazy, I guess. I'll, I'll, I'll use that as I get the pun out of there. That Minnesota has been able to do all this in that division, right? Because when you look at the Minnesota Wild, you don't necessarily see a whole like an elite team, I guess, from per se. You don't see elite scorers like you see in Colorado and you see in Vegas. You just see a group of players working hard to achieve a common goal. And they are they are doing it here. They are definitely pushing through here. For the central division here, Tampa Bay did win tonight. Victor Hedman with the overtime goal. Um, there's a lot going on here in this central division. And I think we touched base on it in a previous episode. It, it Like Tampa Bay needs to finish first in that division or at Florida or Carolina. Any of those teams need to finish first so they don't have to play each other. Because again, those are the three best teams in that division and it's not even close. The rest of them are just, 
you know, participation trophies at best here. Uh, because if you finish first, you're going to play the fourth place team, which is Nashville at this exact moment, or it might be Dallas. And Dallas got a spanking from, you know, J- you know Jacob Vrana. So I don't think Dallas or Nashville are that good of a team. They're They're there, but... They're existing and they've played a little bit better of late, but I'm not necessarily like I'm not looking at either of those teams saying, man, they're really going to give trouble to any of those other three teams at the top here. So I think it's key, right? Tampa Bay's dealing with some injuries and I mean, we know their situation, but like that top division, I feel in the central is super important. So you don't have to play, you know, the fourth place team. That's the same thing in the West division. Like, I want to get away from having, if I'm, let, let's say I'm Minnesota here, right? Like, I don't want to play Vegas. I don't want to play Colorado in the first oh, round. Yeah. That's that's going to be a terrible matchup. I'd much rather play the Arizona Coyotes. Everybody wants to play the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> Even if it's St. Louis, I don't care. I'd much rather play those teams. So Yeah, I mean. Like, they have it's to. It's amazing. You, you have to clog that first spot. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Minnesota is going to be the feel-good story of this season. Uh, and they're going to lose in the first round. Yeah. I, I don't see how they could beat. Oh, and I don't see them winning the division, and I don't see them beating Colorado or Vegas in the first round. Um, but one thing that does need to be noted is like, I hear people talking about there being some sort of Calder race. Like, Kaprizov is is the real deal. It's, it's Kaprizov, and it's nobody else, right? Like, it's Kaprizov and Fiala. But like, as far as like that team goes, I mean. Jason Robertson's had a great season. Right. Nothing against Jason Robertson. It's not the Robertson that people were expecting. People thought it would be Nick Robertson, his brother, lo and behold. Um, and by all means, I'm more than happy for for Jason Robertson. But he is like Kaprasov is is sitting at like he's not elite, at least not today, but like he's been He has twenty two goals this season, right? Yeah, Which he's is... shooting seventeen percent. Yeah. And like 41 points in 47 games as a rookie in his first year playing in North America. I know a lot of people look at that as like people glaze over on that piece of it. Like just imagine living in Russia your entire, well, if you got picked up and got moved to Russia at like 23 years old and somebody said, you're going to play professional hockey now. You'd be like, what? Wait. Okay, yeah, I like playing hockey. This is great, but I don't know anything about like Russian culture. I don't know anything about like what it's like, what the day to grit, what the day to day grind is like. And in like the times of COVID, where sometimes teams are playing like four times in seven days, five times in seven days, like that's no small feat. Um, and he's not a huge guy either. Like he's listed at five nine, which probably means he's about five seven. Um, so like he's doing quite a bit without being like the biggest player. Uh, but man, is he fun to watch? Like he drives the play, um, and he's going to be something special in Minnesota, provided they can re-sign him because he signed a one-year deal. I, I believe. Um, to come over and play for Minnesota this year. So he may be really interesting in the offseason. Uh, I mean, uh, I know a lot of people like to kind of 
poke at Kaprasov and saying, oh, he's 23. He's not necessarily a rookie. He's played professional hockey in Russia and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, to me, he's a rookie. He's 23, by the way. Like, he's not. He's not like 27. 20. Like, he's yeah. not. Like, he's not Andre Mazzaro's in 19, was like 1987 or something that came came over from Russia when he was like 28. But he falls into the same cold. category of when Panarin came over. And I don't think many people were kind of, I think Panarin was older too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, for Kaprasov and his contract situation, I'm sure there's something, you know, specific about it. I know he signed a one-year deal, but I mean, Cap Friendly, can, they're the experts here on whatever. He falls into the... 10.2 restricted free uh, right, the restricted free agency category what that means I have no idea but somebody smarter than me will figure it out but he's definitely a lot of fun to watch and again let's not discredit the fact that he's scored 22 goals in the NHL right which is yeah. pretty good for a kid because you look around at the others right Robertson is second he's got 14 right so I mean even that's pretty good for a rookie right but we're so used to watching these Rookies just come into the league and just tear it up. But in reality, it's like it's hard for these kids to play. Like they, they're kids playing against the best players in the world. So I think what Kaprasov has done here is, to me, it's earned him his Calder Trophy, and it's it can't be anybody else apart from him. I really don't see who else could possibly win that for him. He's he's done everything that he's needed to do. He's made the Minnesota Wild a much better team. I think it would be a really far stretch to want to talk about you know giving him most valuable player as well because there's just so many other players ahead of him oh, who you yeah. could give it to right uh but he is in my mind the most valuable player to that minnesota team and it's that it's not close because without him i mean that that's a whole different dynamic of a team there i'm not looking at matt zuccarello and again <laughs> take the rask for any type of support right right um so it's definitely been Nice to watch them. The other two divisions that I wanted to touch on here, especially the East Division, Pittsburgh is eight one and one. Like you said, they're twenty three and two at home. They do not lose there. They sit atop of the East Division, and this team has battled injuries. They've had terrible goaltending to start the season. They don't have any depth, and here they are just sitting atop what I think is the toughest division in hockey, and it's just. It's, it's, it's like Pittsburgh finds a way to do things. They just find a way to just be good, right? Yeah. Like, they have I mean, 169 goals scored this season as a team, okay? 169. Washington has the most at 170. So, like, they're just – they're on a whole other level. And, again, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins can maybe surprise somebody in the first round. Again, they're going to have to go through – Boston are going to have to go through the Rangers, and none of those, both those matchups are not great, right? They picked up a nice one zero win against Boston today. That was pretty, you know, I, kill game. But I think, uh, I think the Penguins could win a series against the Rangers. I, I don't like their odds again. Well, I don't like their odds. I don't like their Boston. odds against Boston simply because, like, but I those mean, are two teams with very little depth. Right. Well, like if you look at right, the, both teams are very top heavy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the Boston mean, Bruins Boston are top heavy. Helped, yeah. Boston helped themselves out quite a bit at the trade deadline, right? Like they're seeing they, some immediate dividends. The second line has looked like it's something. It is, uh, but they still have a hole on defense, right? And they're still running a, a kid oh, in goal. Oh, for sure. But if they're not going to be in the playoffs, like it's, it's Rask 
like essentially Rasker died in the playoffs, right? I mean, you look at Pittsburgh, the difference between the top forward in points and their fourth best forward is 30 points. Yeah, it's right. Like it's, it's Crosby, Gensel and Rust or bust. Like no doubt. Like they without like, I mean, Malkin's back skating. Theoretically, he comes back uh, in time for the playoffs. And obviously that's that changes everything. Kapanen is back now. Um, he's been decent, right? He's got 23 points in 33 games. So that obviously would make quite a bit of difference. Um, and really, I, I mean, I guess if they're both, if, if Malkin's back, all bets are off, right? You can, you can look at the Penguins and say, yeah, maybe there's a magical run here. Um, you know, maybe Crosby and Malkin can, can get one more kick at the can before they retire. Maybe this is it, but I mean, when you look at that versus, I mean, yeah, you could play out against Boston. You could see them winning that. Um, I think they. Would... I, I think the matchup is tougher for them against the Rangers, just because the Rangers have, they have so many offensive weapons, right? Defensively, they also have weapons. Now, whether they can figure out how to yeah. play defense is a whole other conversation. But they've still scored 164 goals. Like this division is just scoring goals here. Everybody wants to talk about the North Division scoring goals. Well, the East Division is just popping off here. And again, they get to play Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Buffalo a lot, so that doesn't help. But again, they're they're scoring goals here. So, I mean, there's it seems like in that division, right? We're talking earlier about every team trying to finish first to get that so-called easy matchup in the first round. There is no easy matchup in this East Division. None. I don't want to play any of these teams in the first round, and all these matchups will be tight probably, and I don't think we see a sweep in any of them, and I think these are tough matchups for all these teams to play so you know kudos to the pittsburgh penguins for not folding even though they were running out of elite players to play i mean it's who knows who suits up for pittsburgh in their bottom six anytime and let's not yeah. forget uh the penguins also employ cody cc right so um they've they've done what they've needed to do and i'm just I guess I'm a little bit surprised that they're where they are. I thought they would be good. I didn't think they would be this good, but I didn't think they would even be a playoff team, to be honest. I, I, I it's yeah. I, I like if I was going back, like Pat, if I, I had Boston missing the playoffs. So when I originally took one of my hot takes earlier in the year, one of them was Boston missing the playoffs just because I didn't think they had the depth, and I still don't think they have it. I think they've got to where they've needed to be so far. I think the Rangers having a poor start didn't, you know, helped Boston a little bit here. I think Philadelphia as well being the absolute dumpster fire of a team that they are has also helped them a lot. Yeah. Um but the Bruins I would like they've they were good I guess to start and then they've kind of like it's been tough here for them, right? Like Yeah. It, the schedule I, helped the Bruins out quite a bit too, yeah, right? That too. I mean I had all had a similar hot take, especially when there was talks about the season starting in December, when they would have lost essentially like two to three months of Pasternak, and they would have lost Marchand for six weeks, and uh, then they, I was like, yeah, they're going to be in real trouble because they got to somehow figure out how they're going to score for two months. Uh, the schedule really helped them out. I don't think Marchand even missed a game. Uh, Pasternak missed about a month. Um, 
and Pasternak hasn't been himself this year by any by any stretch. I mean, he's had some good stretches, but he hasn't been really consistent. But um, yeah, I mean, easily the fifth best team in this division is a playoff team, probably in every other division, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think all these like the Rangers could easily make the playoffs and. Any of these other divisions, even the Philadelphia Flyers being as terrible as they are. But I mean, look, it is what it is. We knew that division was going to be depth and it's yeah, hasn't and it changed. Hasn't. Um, the North division is kind of the one that, like you said, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs are just going to run away with it. Doesn't matter what goaltending struggles they're having of late. It's, I mean, it makes no difference. They're, they're much better than all the other teams in that division. So. It's not hard to kind of figure out here. I think Winnipeg and Edmonton are going to have nobody challenge them for two and three. So they're going to finish two. They're going to finish three. Those two teams should just start preparing to play play the, play each other in the playoffs. That'll be that. So the Montreal Canadiens sit fourth, yes. And all they've done last two games is lose to Calgary. So that's obviously not hit. Like the Flames have to go a stupid record. And the Habs have to play 500 hockey to make the playoffs. And it's not happening right now. The Montreal Canadiens look lost on the ice, which is hard to do, right? Because the Flames haven't really been that great of a hockey team this year. No. When Johnny Gaudreau starts scoring goals, like now you know that things are not going well. And the Vancouver Canucks, like you said, they're they're sticking around with everything that they've had to deal with. They come back, they play good hockey. They're they're technically in it. Mathematically, they're in it. They have to go on a crazy, crazy run here to make it. But it's not out of the question, especially with those games that they have in hand and the ones that they have to play against Calgary. Like those are four point matchups, right? Like you move yeah. two up and your opponent almost kind of moves two back because then they lose that game in hand. And on paper, they're actually a 500 team, which is better than Calgary Flames. So a lot of people are saying Montreal's direct competition is the Calgary Flames. And to a certain extent, yes. But to me, I feel like it's the Vancouver Canucks because they have those games in hand. And I know they're going to be tough to win. And I know they have tough matchups to play. This is a team that can get there. And, I mean, they may be without Elias Patterson for the rest of the year. I mean, I, f- I feel like he's been hurt forever. And nothing is really coming out injury-wise for him. So they may be without their best player trying to climb this impossible mountain. I will say this about the Montreal Canadiens. I am, as a fan, I am not comfortable with whatever they're doing right now. They just, this team just doesn't look like they figured it out. And they have a really prized prospect just sitting in the, sitting in the stands waiting because of cap issues, right? Mark Bersman says, we can't fit him under the cap. Then I head over and I say, geez, well, you can't fit him under the cap because you had to go out and get John Merrill. You had to go out and get Eric Gustafson. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, well, now you got eight defensemen on the roster and you let Victor Mete walk because apparently John Merrill and Eric Gustafson are a whole lot better. So now you're going out, you paid more money for players that probably aren't even going to play regularly. Ben Sherrod's back. That's why you go out to get those support players, right? Yeah. So you can support them. Shea Weber's been a disaster this year. As much as he's not scoring goals, defensively it's not working. Jeff Petrie has cooled off here. And he's not significantly, playing Joel. Yeah. Yeah, significantly ever since they split him up from Joel Edmondson. I don't think that was the right move. And now Joel Edmondson, there's a couple of games here where he seems kind of average at best. Carey Price is dealing with concussions, so he's gone back to Montreal, which is not what you want to see. I mean, Jake Allen was brought in to support, not to lead the team. And again, Brendan Gallagher's out because, I mean, 
the guy just can't keep his hands healthy. Yeah. So there's a lot of pieces missing here on this team. There's a lot of just stuff that's not working. And I mean, I don't know if you watch the clips of Cole Caulfield in practice, but I mean, I can't not watch them, right? Because I follow too many Habs reporters <laughs> and they just get posted. And I know it's practice. And I yeah. know we see a whole bunch of things in practice. But like the things that he does and the release that he has, like he's 20 years old and he's doing, he's just doing dirty in practice. And I know NHL games are different and whatnot. But he played, what, one game in the AHL? Torched it, right? Swan the Hobie Baker in college. He completely destroyed the league there. And now you're sitting here, and you're just saying, well, you know what? We're not going to let him go back to Laval and play hockey. We want him to come here and soak up the experience, which is really cool if you're a first-place team and you want a kid to just soak it up. But you're not. You're not a playoff team yet. You literally have to fight to get in. So I don't want my prized possession soaking up what it's like to get throttled by Calgary. Because that's what happened. The Calgary didn't actually, you know, destroy them on the scoreboard. But Calgary was a much better team. They were hungry on the puck. They were moving it. They clogged Montreal and that was it, right? Which is what you need to do to shut down the Habs. You just got to clog up the neutral zone. They're a skating team. If they can't skate, it doesn't work. So at some point, right? Like, we've been watching the Leafs and the Lightning circumvent the cap for, what, two seasons now? Oh, like, more than just, that. The Leafs I, have I, been I, circumventing the cap for, like, five. Forever, right? Yeah. So Well, since before they had Matthews on that team, because they were taking on um, they were taking on long-term IR players to hit the, to hit the floor. Right. While they, like, went, while they uh, tanked for Matthews. There are like there are teams that are doing everything they can to fit as many players under right their cap and get them into the lineup as humanly possible here. So I'm sitting here and I, like the good folks at Cap Friendly literally tweeted out because somebody asked I don't remember who and it's real simple right the Habs are like a couple hundred thousand dollars away from getting in it. Basically, what you got to do is either a player gets hurt, which is unlikely, and you yeah. don't wish it on any player, right? Or you just send Caden Primo back to the AHL, which is probably where he should be anyways. He wasn't bad in his start. It's just the Montreal Canadiens are not good. And you call up, you know, you call up Charlie Lindgren. You let him sit there and you say, Charlie, this is your job. Sit here, right, while Carey Price is out. And then you have enough money to bring up Cole Caulfield. And at that point, you do whatever it takes to get him in the line. The Montreal Canadiens need a spark. They need somebody to score goals. They need to take some weight off Tyler Toffoli and Josh Anderson. Because, oh, my God, man, like Tyler Toffoli doesn't stop scoring. It would be nice if somebody else could contribute to it, right? Your highest paid forward outside of Josh Anderson is Jonathan Drouin, who is hurt, <laughs> if I guess you want to say that. I don't know if it's his feelings who are hurt if he actually did something to himself. Uh, but he has two goals this season, so that's not working out. You're rolling out a whole bunch of players who are just not scoring goals. And you have a kid here who we know has pure skill, pure skill. And you can... Pair him with, you know, one of those great centermen that you're trying to, you know, establish in the league. And I don't know, like, no offense to the Yoel Armias and the Tori Lekkonen's of the world and the Paul Byron's, but, like, those are bottom six players, okay? Let's stop pretending they're anything different. When I see Paul Byron playing on the top line, my insides want to come out because I don't know any other team where Paul Byron would even be in the lineup. Like, he's cleared waivers twice. 
So yeah. even a team taking him, they're like, no, the no, money's too yeah. much and we don't want that problem. No. So to me, like the Montreal Canadiens have a lot of things to do here. And considering how poorly they've played since Dominic Ducharme has taken over, they haven't played better since firing Julian. They've been the same or actually worse. And considering what's going on and the scoring that's not coming from around the lineup, I think it might be a good idea to let the kids stop soaking up whatever you want him to soak up in practice and actually let him play some hockey or send him back to the AHL and let him play. He's 20 years old and you're punishing yeah. him because you couldn't manage the cap. I, I, I agree. And I mean, let's not kid ourselves for those who don't know, like Laval is just the, is just the North end of Montreal, right? Like it's not as if it's, it's a 20 some... minute Metro ride from the <laughs> right. bell center to, okay, not 20, 32, okay, to be precise. From the Bell Center to Laval without driving, taking the literally the metro, you're there. You're from one place to another. Exactly. So, yeah. So, like, we shouldn't treat this as if, like, oh, you know, it would be so inconvenient. It's like, look, you could still probably have him play with the Rockets and so, like, obviously he's still learning what it's like to live in Montreal, he still can deal with everything else that goes with it while playing. He's not even games soaking not up the city as a twenty-year-old, though. Like it's right, COVID. You can't do anything in the right. Like he doesn't do have the option to walk down St. Catherine Street and get recognized by everybody while he's trying to walk in whatever bar that he's trying to get into. Like he well, doesn't even have that luxury. <laughs> like what else? Like. He's soaking up. I know what I know what they mean by soaking up the experience, right? Learning how to be an NHL player and this and that. But guess what? The That's... team needs him to score some goals. He didn't yeah. bring him here to soak up anything. I want him to contribute. I don't want to see him sitting in a press box or sitting, you know, in one of the suites with his mask on. That's not what I want him to see. I want him to play hockey. I don't care where he plays. I don't care if it's Laval. I don't care if it's the NHL. Yeah, I want just him to play. Do something. Yeah, do, like I, do something instead of sitting there and then, you know, the flight home and having all the reporters be like, hey, you guys stink. Why do you stink? Like, I mean, I think last week we saw Jonathan Drouin get short with somebody in the media. We, oh, we saw Shea Weber get short with them. Yeah. Shea Weber doesn't have emotions. I mean, I think somebody might think he has, but I've never seen him show much emotion. So when he starts getting short with people, you're kind of like, all right, maybe things are not going great here. Yeah. And we see the Montreal Canadiens doing all kind of magic tricks here, trying to figure out their power play, trying to figure out this. You have one. You, you have a kid here who can, like, he's just, he's he's playing around in practice and he's doing things that you're like, that's not normal. Like, it doesn't well, do it. You have to slow it down so you can actually see what he's doing. Or he's just, his hands in tight are so good. Why are we not doing everything possible to get him into the lineup, right? Why yeah. am I not putting Eric Gustafson on waivers, right? And saying, hey, just, you know, somebody wants to take him, take him. Well, or just put him on, like, just put him on long-term IR. Right? I'll like Break his leg, bro. I don't know. Well, you know I don't think you, to be, I, I don't know what the process is. Okay? I don't know if there's, like, you have to show real medical papers to put somebody on, on the long-term IR. You could just say leg injury. Because, I mean, to us, we don't even get that much. But it's just like lower body injury. Okay, well, the Canadians have, what, eight, eight, literally eight games left. There's no reason 
for Gustafson to play in any eight of those games. You've got more depth than you need. If you, you play against on. Calgary, he was on the top power play unit and uneventful. Right. But like, exactly. And that is at this point, the story of Eric Gustafson's career now, right? One great season. Oh, we'll bring him in. We'll put him on the top power play. Well, how'd that go for the Flyers? Oh, that didn't go really well, did it? How did that go for the Flames when they brought him in last year? Oh, that didn't go really well, did it? So, I mean, at, at the end of the day, though, right? I mean, if we look, I, I think if you do a real retrospective of what's happened with the Canadians this year, their issues are all with you didn't, you lost way too many games to Calgary. You lost way too many games to Ottawa. And those are the games you need. If you win more of those games, it's no question. You're 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 a playoff team, but you lose a bunch of those games, and now you're like, oof. Now you it's gotta tight. finish. You gotta finish strong. Going down the stretch, you got you got a game, one more game against Calgary before you get four games against Toronto. And those are not and those are not easy matches either. Right, uh, right? you got. A game against Winnipeg, two against two against Ottawa, who, and those have not been walks in the park. Yeah, and then you finish with two at home against Edmonton. Who you like? So well, the Canadians have, have played well against the Oilers. So, so what? You have what? Four, six, seven games against teams ahead of you, correct? Right. Right. So just four of those being the first place team, and those are tough matchups. You got to win them. You yeah. got to win them. You got to play McDavid. And you got to play, I mean, every single leaf forward. like, And like you said, Ottawa's not a walk in the park either. So yeah, again, Ottawa plays you tough, but, the, I mean, they'll win games because they're just going to, like, they, they've got grit. They don't have all the talent. They don't have everything they need to be a real team right now. But they, they play hard. So, yeah, that's that's not a guaranteed W by any means. And there's none of those left on, on the Canadian schedule. No. So you're, you're not playing any of those teams behind you, right? You've had the opportunity, right? You've already played Vancouver, so you can get that one out of the way. The games you're supposed to be winning against Calgary to try to distance yourself from them, you're not winning, right? So you're kind of setting yourself back here. They're three and seven over the last 10, okay? Three and seven. Only one other team has a losing record over the last 10 games, and it's the Ottawa Senators. All right, Calgary's 5-5, five and five, so they're a 500 team. So only the Montreal, like the Montreal Canadiens have three wins in their last 10 games. They're just not playing well. And you're sitting there saying, we can't get, we can't get Caulfield in here because we needed to go out and get two non-puck-moving defensemen to add to the six that we already have. And, you know, we went out to get Eric Stahl, who we're now burying on the fourth line with Corey Perry and whoever else wants to skate on his right side. And now we can't get a player with absolute skill into our lineup to give us the boost, right? And it's no secret that the Montreal Canadiens struggle here without Brendan Gallagher in the lineup. He's a huge part of this team. There's a gap on that top line, and they're trying to fill it with any body that can do it, right? Josh Anderson's gotten the looks there. And he's he's played well. He has. Yeah. That's fine. Well, and if you want to leave him there, leave him there. That means you take him off another line. 
and I'm sorry, but I don't want to see Corey Perry in my top six. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to bury Nick Suzuki and Tyler Toffoli with Corey Perry. He's done well. Play him in the role that he needs to play. Play him on the fourth line. Center him with, you know, whoever else plays on that line, and it's fine. Montreal ran seven defensemen last game when Jonathan Drew was a late scratch. Drew doesn't score goals, but he facilitates the puck around, right? Yeah. So, again, I would love, I would love to see a line with Nick Suzuki, Tyler Toffoli, and Cole Caulfield. I just want to see the skill. Because Toffoli, right, you already have to respect him because he's scoring goals, right? Nick Suzuki is your best centerman, and we know he has a right, six set of mitts. So he can dish the puck out. And I can just imagine just him finding just a little bit of space for Cole Caulfield. And he doesn't need much, right? He needs a fraction of a second. That puck is off his stick. And he's got an NHL release. So, again, we can continue to bury all these lines with plugs, right? Again, no offense to the Corey Perrys and the Yoel Armios and the Terry Lekkins of the world. They're bottom six players, and that's where they deserve to be playing. Fill your lineup with skill and find a way, sit there and say, how do we get this player into the lineup? And how do we do it yesterday, right? The team chartered Caden Primo to, to, Cal- to Calgary, right? But they're not willing to charter Cole Caulfield back to Laval so he can play hockey? Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, to finish this up, right, on the North Division, um, taking your Canadians fan hat off for a minute. If we look at this as... We know Toronto's one. We there will be some combination of Winnipeg, Edmonton at two. Probably going to be Edmonton. Realistically, I don't think. I mean, Calgary's played one more game than Montreal. They're four games back. It's not necessarily realistic to expect the Flames to be able to make up enough ground either on the Canadians or theoretically on the Canucks. Do you? It does it even matter who finishes fourth? Can Montreal or Vancouver beat Toronto in a seven-game series? I'll say this, right? I think a lot of people said the same thing last year when Montreal made the playoffs against Pittsburgh. And the whole, right, the league was terrified about letting Montreal in the playoffs because they know what Carey Price can do. And Carey Price is, regardless of what people want to say about him, and whatnot, and his salary, and this and that. Like he, he is a game changer when he's on his when he's on his game. Forget it, forget it. Like you're not, you're not. And he's look, he's he's struggled this season at times, but he is their best goalie, and it's not even close, right? Jake Allen's played well here and there, but Carey Price is, you know, like he's the goalie of this of of this team, and this team goes as far. As Carey Price goes. Carey Price last season in the playoffs, by the way, 178 goals against the average, 936 8% in 10 games. So he's pretty good. And he right. was against, average. And that was against uh, a healthy Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. and against, um, I don't remember who they played in the second round and eventually lost two and seven. But uh, it wasn't nobody. I think it might have been, been Philadelphia, actually. Uh, who was? I, I think, was Philadelphia. Yes, it was. Carter think, Hart was also a part of that. Yes, right. And, and Carter, I yeah, think, right. yeah, uh, it a was very still a different tight. Flyers team than it was right. this year. Um, yeah, very different. And, and, and again, he he was 
you know, his numbers from that season weren't, you know, spectacular. They were average. They're average. Yeah. 279 goals against average, 909 save percentage. Very average. He's got a 264 goals against average this season, 901 save percentage. Very average. Nothing screams crazy. So right. I I do agree that that matchup against Toronto is a very, very tough one. Definitely a tough one. Well, and the- there are lots of players that you have to contain, right? There are so many like the Leafs are built to try to go on a run here, right? They they they, they have all the moving pieces that they need, right? That they got with all one the exception, stuff. with one big giant looming exception. I mean, that's goaltending. I, yes, but that's I mean, look, right? The Leafs are top heavy offensively, which means you can only spend X amount of money, and they've decided right. to invest it with their forwards up front, right? Their defense is good. I think Solid. It's they're they're okay. I think the I think the defense is okay. I, I think they're a middle of the pack yeah. defensive team, right? They don't hurt you, but they don't go above and beyond here, right? And it's you know shows by their numbers. They're okay. Definitely, their goaltending is a problem. Yes, but you know a good team, the Leafs are not going to go out there and try to play, you know, tight hockey against the Montreal Canadiens. I know how it's going to go. The philosophy. The Montreal Canadiens are going to try to do what they do to the Edmonton Oilers, which is right. shut them down. Take right. away time and space from your best players. The only problem is that Toronto has a bunch of them, right? It's one thing trying to contain McDavid and Dreisaitl, which is still a task, by the way, okay? Because McDavid and Dreisaitl kind of count for two players each because they're literally just out of this planet here. But again, you have to contain Austin Matthews, who leads the league in goals. You have to also contain John Tavares because you can't let him run wild. You can't let Mitch Marner run wild. You can't let Willie Nylander run wild. Oh, by the way, you got to watch Zach Hyman. You got to watch all those other, you know, Joel Thornton, Wayne Simmons, the bigger bodies there. You brought it, you know, to do exactly. There's so many players that you have to watch. Well, not going to go out there and push the pace. They're going to try to clog the neutral zone, take time and space away, and just. You know, play rope and dope until they catch a break. They score a goal. It's not coming from their power play, unfortunately. So it's a tough matchup on paper, yes. Yeah. And I don't see how they get by it. They, yes, weak goaltending is a problem. But I mean, Jake Allen is not. Sorry, I'm sorry, not Jake Allen. Jack Campbell has <laughs> proved that he can stop the puck. He's, it's just I don't think he's going to win eleven in a row, right? I don't think he's as bad as he's been of late. Just as I don't think he's as good as he was at first, right? Like he's yeah, kind of in the I, middle there. I continue to have real concerns about Jack Campbell's ability to stay healthy. Which is right. Which is fair, right? Like through a playoff run, like I think they were wise to bring in David Riddich to to have a backup with NHL experience. He's looked terrible since he he's come to Toronto. Not that he looked great in Calgary this year, but. If that is like if they end up in a situation where they have to go with Riddich or Hutchinson, or I mean, maybe I guess Anderson's ready. I don't know necessarily what the situation is with, with Freddie Anderson right now. Um, but like that's not ideal, right? Like ask Colorado what how bad how that what that can do to a playoff run. Yeah. Right? Because I mean in I think you would say Toronto's top six is as deep as anyone's, right? I don't think there's probably a team at this league. point probably the deepest, right? I don't think there's another team in the league that has a top six that'll match that. Um, Colorado's not not even particularly close, to be honest, right? Um, 
so it's you're kind of looking at that going well geez i don't know right uh, but at the end of the day right in playoff hockey is different than than regular season hockey we all know this uh games are called tighter special teams typically mean less because there's less penalties so there's less you know less power play and all that good stuff um but man if if you can't keep the puck out of your own net suddenly you're finding yourself down you know two nothing three three nothing three one try, having to come behind every night that that's a tough tough spot to come from that is tough i i will agree with you there but if there's any team that can come down from a 3-1 deficit oh sure yeah probably toronto and if they're doing it against montreal i know what's going to happen montreal they're just going to shut down that's it they did the offense is gone right because they know what's coming you know you're you're staring up okay this is a leash power play you're staring up imagine you take a penalty because you're going to take one right at some point you're going to take a penalty and then here comes Willie Nylander, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, Morgan Riley. Oh, baby. Okay. This is going to be fun. Now you got two minutes to try to worry about which one of those five is going to kill you. Because one of them is going to hurt you. And it can be a different player every night. That's the thing, though, right? There's so many weapons, right? And we don't care about Toronto's second unit because we've talked about this before. Why does a team need a second unit when you just put all your five best players on the first one, right? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you're not trying to score like your you're second not. Your unit, second like unit comes second. out because your first unit is burnt and they didn't get the job done. That's it, right? <laughs> Except in Montreal, where that theory is, you try to balance it out. Anyways, that there's so many weapons, right, for the Toronto Maple Leafs to choose from. Like even if they fall down early, right? Teams that have that offensive ability will try to just you know push the pace because now you got nothing else to lose, right? You're down 3-1. You're down 4-1 or 5 or 6-1. one doesn't matter, right? So you're just going to push the pace. And the Montreal Canadiens, what are they going to do? They're going to shut down. They're going to try to play tight. And they're going to try to just keep Toronto to the outside. Yeah. And then Toronto's going to start firing the puck. And at some it, point, they're going to score. Yeah. So, As, I mean, yeah, I've, so, being a Habs fan, I've seen this story a whole bunch of times. Yeah. And it goes about the same. So... Anyways, All that, that to say, said, I would love Montreal to beat Toronto in the first round. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying my, my tickets to round two just yet. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean that pretty much puts us pretty much up to date here, right? Um, lots of different things happened this week. Uh, I mean, Mika Zibanejad has gotten literally white hot uh he is uh, i took a look at his stats before uh, the last time i ran rankings uh which was about a literally about a month ago and he was shooting 7.7 percent and was 13 points under a point per game uh today mika zabinajad is shooting 13 percent and is now just four points under a point per game um which is Something to be said, like if you want to understand how big of a difference that makes for the Rangers, take a look at the record over that that month as well. Because uh, suddenly playing the Rangers, well, before you had to deal with Panarin and you had to worry about Panarin and you still obviously do uh, having a second line that's or in, their, in the Rangers case, their actual first line uh, that can do damage is obviously a, a very different uh very different game to to play. Um, so all of that out of the way, 
let's take a look at uh, teams how they have performed over the last uh, over the last two weeks. Uh, we, typically, we we typically go through this taking a look at goals for goals against. See who's hot as we take a look at uh, start thinking about the DFS slate for next week. Uh, goals for per game over the last two weeks. Minnesota Wild, which we've talked about, uh, the Washington Capitals, the Vegas Golden Knights, Colorado Avalanche, and the New York Rangers. So I don't see any surprises in that. Uh, nothing jumps out to me here. Um, although it is really interesting that uh, the Wild have scored on 42% of their power plays over the last two weeks. That'll help you win some games, help you score some goals. Uh, taking a look at goals against uh, New Jersey, San Jose, Columbus, the Kings, and the previously mentioned Maple Leafs as the fifth, the team giving up the fifth most goals over a two-week period in a, a goals per game scenario at 3.57. They've been worse than the Flyers, <laughs> worse than the Blues, worse than Anaheim. Um, and on the bottom end of this spectrum, because I think this is also interesting to note, the five best teams for goals against over the last month, over the last two weeks, Vegas, 1.38. That is going to be a fun, uh, it'll be fun to see how that plays out for them in the playoffs. Edmonton suddenly not giving up any goals, 1.67. Ottawa, 1.83. Uh, Minnesota at just two, and Carolina at 2.14 now that they have... Uh, uh, they're going to be a really interesting... Carolina's going to be an interesting goalie situation heading into the playoffs. Because Nedeljkovic has played well. They're still playing him. Um, I'm curious if they'll go to Nev- go to Nedeljkovic uh, instead of uh, Mrazek in the first round. Uh, I mean... It's it's not because Mrazek hasn't played well. I mean, he was hurt, right? right? Which is the only reason we got to the point of Alison Delkovich needing to play. I think all this has done is, um, you know, confirm that James Reimer's time in Carolina is pretty much over. Um, you know, I think I would say this. Mrazek probably gets the start here. He's he's good. He's He's earned it. I think he should start. And I think what's going to happen is he's probably going to get a really tight leash. And if something happens where he stumbles or it doesn't go as it should, I don't think Rob Brendamore is just going to ride him out there. And we saw a lot of teams in the playoffs last year, you know, turn to their backup goalies for regular starts in those back-to-back games. So I think we may see a lot of that this year as well, right? I don't think the playoffs will be as spaced out um, as it could be. Just to put this into perspective, right? The four goalies with the best goals against the average here, this is not taking many games into consideration, right? Four more, right? Uh, Morozik is at two, right? Second best, 1.6. Alex Ndelkovic is at four at 1.98. Yeah. So that's, I mean, again, it's a good problem to have for Carolina, right? They have two really elite goalies and a James Reimer. So they, they may just play both at some point or they may try to start with one and then I don't know go back and forth you don't want to do it right you want an established number one goalie who's going to play you know 
the bulk of the games, kind of like it was for Vasilevsky last year. I mean, right. you didn't worry about Curtis McElhinney coming in because it's Andre Vasilevsky who's going to play, and he's going to play a lot. So I think that's the most interesting part here. The other interesting thing that you mentioned about the Wild, they're operating at 40-some-odd percent on the power play last two weeks. Yeah, almost 50. And that's a, and that's a team that employs Victor Ross on the top <laughs> unit. Again, just mind-boggling what this team is able to do considering they have nobody who can play center. Nobody. There is yeah. nobody on that team that can play center, and yet here they are just doing what they need to do, just getting the job done, just, just working hard, a team that's just assembled with good players. I think their defense is good. Their goaltending has been Right, the backbone of this team, right? So well, that's yeah. Key. Minnesota's defense is really underrated. Right, it is like it Spurgeon, is. Dumba, Brodeen, Suter, um, and I'm not even, and I'm missing players. Right, like that's a that's a really good top four. That is, we can forget, you know, Carson, Susie, and Ian Cole, obviously, but right. I mean, did they complete the top six at that point? But but yes, like it's wild for me. It's just wild because you see Victor Ratzko on the top using on on the top unit. You see Joel Eriksson Eck there. Ryan Hartman is getting a tour at center, and Nico Sturm, who is there, is up on an emergency call up. So, yeah. I mean, at some point, like it's just it's kind of hard for my mind to wrap itself around the idea of what this team is doing and they have a ton of money tied up in you know in, Zach Parise here yeah. for a bunch of years and they got a ton of money tied up in Ryan Suter for a bunch of years yeah. and those contracts are not aging well and like you said their goaltending has been really good and it's they're paying both their goalies a combined less than five million right so they got Cam Talbot at 3.6 for another two seasons after this one and Kapo Kakinen's got one more year after this season at his 725 so, again, goaltending is important. I think the Minnesota Wild have built their team the different way, right? They build it from the back end out. So you got really strong goaltending. You got really strong defense. And your offense just has to collectively get it done. And that's what they've been doing here. Even Nick Bonino has been good. Like, yeah, and you don't Nick think about Nick Bonino very often. He's 20 points this season. He's 20. And almost all of that, I feel like, has come in the last like three weeks. Yeah. He had like nine points in the last 10 games when I was writing him up on the playbook on Wednesday because I looked at Nick Bonino and I said, why does he have nine points in the last 10 games? I don't understand. Like he's playing on the fourth line. I was like, how is this possible? I was like, oh, top wait a minute. Play. He's on yeah. the top power play unit with Victor Rask. There we go. That makes all the sense in the world. What? I mean, of course, right? It makes total sense um, how this is all going down here. So I don't know. Just again, Shout out to the Minnesota Wild for getting things done. They've booked their spot in the playoffs, and now they can just continue their quest for the top spot of that division, which is going to be a challenge. But hey, yeah, and you know. I mean, if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, I think you—I mean, you definitely have reason to be excited. I mean, you do have to figure. <laughs> I think you have lots of reason to wonder what you could have done with the cap space of Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Um, but, uh, I think they're also going to be in line to, to maybe as early as next year have maybe the smallest top line in the league. Uh, 
when Marco Rossi should be available. Uh, he's also 5'9", so you'll have a 5'9 Kaprasov, a 5'9 uh, Rossi. That could be really could be really fun to see. Um, Everybody's Rossi. worried about size up front. That's right. One team just saying, doesn't really matter. We'll just yeah. do this. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of... I, I wonder how many people are out there who still look at, are still kind of thinking hockey like it was 10 years ago uh mark birds right <laughs> um montreal is one of the the they're, they're in the top five just fun fact they're in the top five in size this was a team a couple of years ago is one of the smallest in the leagues right. they are now one of the bigger teams in the league height wise and size wise and i get front that and back end i get that for winning in the playoffs right because it's you know checking's tighter whistles are swallowed there, right? Right, yeah, you got to get there. Um, and it'll be interesting, right? Like, will teams, whomever Minnesota plays in the first round, right? Are teams going to go out and just try to, like, beat up Kaprasov, right? Are they going to, like, try to... Maybe. Probably, right? Like, I feel but, like... If, I mean, you don't look at the Colorado Avalanche as a team that's going to go out there and start, right? Like, they're not a physical team, per se. And the Vegas Golden Knights aren't either. These are not physical yeah. teams that you have to like like you're not looking at them like the St. Louis Blues. The St. Louis Blues are a bigger team, right? And I think of them more as, you know, not as much skill and more of, you know, a hard-nosed kind of team there. I don't look at Colorado and Vegas like that. I mean, Colorado just ragdolled Arizona last season. Vegas, I mean, again, same thing. But those are teams with I mean, skill, lots of it, and they go out there and they try to impose their will on other teams offensively and they do it pretty well so well, i don't know if they're going Vegas's gonna... bottom six is significantly more physical than their top six significantly yes and that is thanks to ryan reeves uh in large part so yes maybe ryan but again i don't am, am i going to put ryan reeves out on the ice with kaprasov no I, obviously i don't no. want that matchup right um like ryan reeves can keep up with the best sure but I'm not asking him to do defensive specialist work here. Not to... <laughs> right. Yeah. It's an energy line and that's what you Correct. get out of your So you'll go out there, point. you'll bang the bottom six out as well. But I mean, again, I, I think Minnesota has enough, you know, I mean, containing Ryan Reeves seems like an impossible task, right? Indeed. So you can't let him, yeah. you just can't let him run wild because he's going to take over the whole game at that point. But I mean, Minnesota has proven that they can a score goals. They can shoot the puck as well, uh, and and their goaltending has been really, really strong. So, oh um, yeah, and I mean, it's not that Minnesota is devoid of size, right? Like Marcus Foligno is not. Yeah, and their defense is still like they're big, bo- big boys on the back end too. I mean, Ryan Suter, Jared Spurgeon, not small people. Right. So, um, all that being said. Um, let's get out of here. We're probably pretty close to, to our time here. Um, best of luck to anyone who is in their fantasy playoffs right now. Uh, we still got a good three, two to four weeks, probably depending on how you want to think at the schedule for, for DFS. Uh, so we're going to be with you the whole way there. Uh, you'll, you can expect to see, uh, see some rankings drop probably this week. Um, for anyone who's looking to 
to check those types of things out at this point in the season. Uh, and if you have questions, as always, you can find us in the chat.